Welcome to the Climber's Exit, a canyoneering community podcast, talking anything and everything canyoneering. And now, here are your hosts, John Sanchez and that guy, Steve. All right, all right, all right, intro mix-up. John here with, uh, with, uh, with Steve, right? <laughs> that is, that is me. It's almost like it's been a couple of weeks. We forgot who each other were because John and I have not been in a canyon together in forever. So uh, John forgot that his co-host was name is Steve. So yeah, yeah, this Steve here. Some of you guys call me that guy, Steve, but uh, I am here today and I'm here. I'm in a great mood. It's Monday night, April 25th. And yeah, John has the giggles. Episode four. Yeah. Definitely. I don't know if you, and real quick, I want to apologize to everybody. Uh, we had some major, major audio issues last week, as a lot of you let us know. So we apologize for that. So technically episode four, but John, we could be episode 3.2. Sure. Yeah. We won't get into technicalities. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, major apologies for last week's episode. We don't want um, we don't want to put out content like that. So, thanks for this one. Make, yeah, this one will make up for it. But I'll take the full blame, John. I'll take the full blame. We, we worked through it. We figured it out. Yeah, and if anybody wanted to know, use the correct web browser. That's all. That's my <laughs> words of advice. We're done. Podcast over. <laughs> so we're we're gonna start this week with uh, with a question from. Instagram or Facebook, one of the two. I don't, I'm not sure where soon it came from. Uh, but this is a little bit of a lengthy one, so give me just a minute to read through it here. Uh, so the question reads as such. It says, I see a lot of experienced climbers go into canyons with the mentality of, it's just repelling. And I do that at the end of every climb. It's just gravity. And get themselves into potentially dangerous situations. Uh, This particular person says that they've personally witnessed climbers wrapping down 180 plus feet uh, rappels with a fast eight millimeter rope and ATC and no third hand. And afterwards they say, wow, I was not in control during that rappel. So here's the question, Steve, I'm going to ask this to to you. Do you guys regularly see people from the climbing world go do their canyons? with a high level of complacency. And if you do, what do you say to them in the moment? Huh, that is a big one. And this is why we're only answering one question this week, because this is a huge, it could be a topic in itself. So um, as far as witnessing these type of things in the Canyon, uh, I would say not as much. Right. I I have witnessed these type of things. Um but I like I really thought about this question once I when I initially read it and I was like, Steve, how how many people have you actually seen just doing these weird crazy things that we all see on the internet or people posting and sharing? Um I would say roughly one out of 20 canyons, maybe, maybe, Yeah, you know, um, as far as what do I say to these people in the moment, that is probably the hardest part of this question because my experiences and this is with climbers or people I assume are climbers because, you know, they're using ATCs and, you know, things like that uh, is they don't really care what I say, (laughs) you know, and I, I don't want to, especially in the Canyon, I don't want to rip someone apart for doing things wrong. I much rather say, Hey, I, I, I have an idea that might be a little better a little safer, something that's going to not burn your hand because you're going down to 300 foot rappel with no gloves on a eight mil rope with an ATC, you know, like I, 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 it's such a hard question because it's, it's, 
really based on what's going on when I walk up to these people. Do well, let me give you an example. Over the weekend, we did a canyon in Moab. I took some people out, and they were the first wrap had multiple groups there. There was two anchors, so two different groups were actually going down. We were the third group, so we were the next up in line. The first group that this, the, we were going to take the right side anchor, it was in the sun, plus in the rappel, we could bypass the two pools of water with that sec- that the anchor on the uh, right side. But uh, they, I think there were like 13 to 15 people. And on a couple of their harnesses, there were some red tags that said leader, things like that. And the first thing I noticed, and, and this is nothing as, as extreme as, you know, the question at hand. This is just something that just happened. So it's on the top of my head. Uh, but the leader's wearing chacos. And then I look around and everybody else is wearing Chacos and basketball shorts. <laughs> and, and, and you know me, I, like I don't judge and I try to just be neutral about everything and just give advice where I can give advice. But like, what the hell are you wearing Chacos in, in canyoneering? And why is the guide wearing Chacos or the leader? Um, did I say anything to them? I didn't because I felt like this, what are they going to say? What are they going to do? Yeah. Yeah, Who cares? I think those are, those are the type of individual lessons that like you can't really learn for someone. I I gave Mm -hmm. you an example of like, I've only seen people wear shorts in the Canyon um, enough times to, Till you know they get uh, enough of their skin scraped off that they realize that you know there are better options out there. Um, you know, and and with chacos or sandals or things like that, it's only a matter of different situations that you kind of can get yourself mm-hmm. into before you realize that you know you're kind of under equipped. Yeah, and I think Stephen, we were talking about this earlier. This was an uh, an area where, um. In my experience, whenever I have ran canyons with people who are also climbers or maybe new to canyoneering and have an ex- have a, a background with climbing, um, they've been fairly receptive to feedback and suggestions and, mm-hmm. and Keep in mind, this is all anecdotal. You know, this is just the the people that I have happened to have canyoned with before. Um, yeah, but I won't deny that I've definitely seen a lot of the kind of um, naivety uh, online about like where the buck stops with climbing versus where we're talking about specialty skills and techniques with canyoneering you know Mm -hmm. so to me this is this i kind of treat this the same as if i were to give someone feedback if i were a climber in a climbing situation and that's typically like i'm not intervening unless it's life-threatening you know like yeah i'm not i'm not stepping in to give comments or suggestions unless you know i notice maybe a critical failure or a potential critical failure mm-hmm. um and other than that you know I, I think kind of the way that you mentioned it is if people want advice they'll usually ask about it um yeah i've often noticed when you're using gear that's different when than, than what most people see that's when you get the most questions so you know people if people want to know they'll ask and um you know if it's if it's real dangerous, yeah, I think that we kind of have an obligation to do something. Yeah. Like it gives me, uh, I remember doing a canyon and it was I think about 300 foot wrap and, and a group of climbers go ahead of us. Well, they, they were there. The second to last guy was like, his head was going down once we were like walking up and there was one last guy up there. And he just looked, you know, like nervous. 
you know, and he just like small talked to us. Yeah, I've never done this before. You know, my friends wanted to go out, you know, and, and do this. And, you know, and you could just tell his mannerisms. You know, he was just real nervous to do this rappel. And they're all climbers, right? He was talking about how he does, you know, like towers out in Moab and things. And um, ultimately, the small talk conversation turned into, he's a, here's a piece of gear that you can add friction on the fly. Uh, and here's a glove, you know, it, it, for your break hand. You know, these two things are, are going to help a lot. And we gave it to him. He used it. And the guy was like ecstatic at the bottom. So I just, I guess, reiterating, it depends on the situation, right? People wearing Chacos, what can I do for them about that? I don't have shoes to give them. Somebody who looks nervous and he has an ATC, a skinny rope, no gloves. Hey, I have an extra pair of gloves. I do have an extra device that I used for rigging that you can also, you know, utilize for descending. And here you go. And you can help that person. Um, so I guess it's a, it's a situation by situation analysis of what you can actually do. What yeah. are the people in Chacos? Cool. Slip and fall. Smack, like, smack your head against the wall. At least you're wearing a helmet. And you'll learn that, hey, maybe I should get some shoes that have better grip. Yeah. You know, um, well, and, and it's, I mean, I'll say as someone who is a convert to like wearing approach shoes, I actually didn't know kind of like what a piece of gear they are and, and kind of like what a difference and, and what an edge they can mm-hmm. give you compared to, you know, any other kind of shoe with a different sole or, or, yeah. or, or you know, so yeah, I, it I reminds actually, me of last week. Real quick, it, it reminded yeah. me of last week about uh, when we talked about the 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 kids. I, I can't call them kids. I have no idea how old they were. You know, the guys on TikTok, right? When I just see people in Chacos or like little dumb situations like that, you said last week, it's it's people not really understanding or respecting the sport. Yeah, definitely. And so they're like, it's just canyoneering. I, it's just repelling. Once again, it's not just repelling, you know, like well, this is and, and I think so much you, more than that. And this is really interesting because it's, it's kind of funny. We were talking about the canyoneer documentary, uh, gorging, right. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I watched it and I kind of realized that like <clears throat> in this particular scope, and I don't know how many people have this perspective, like canyoneering is class one through four. Um, but when you and I talk about it, you know, and we kind of established this, like we're, we're really only talking about technical canyoneering. Um, a a lot of those things like Chaco's is probably fine in some class one canyons and some class two canyons, you know? So. But what's a class one canyon? It's one that you don't need any, any technical gear for. I mean, it's a hike, essentially. Yeah, it's a hike. Yeah, essentially, it's a hike. So, I think you could find some stemming in in class twos. Yeah, stemming would be um, stemming. um, I don't know why the heck bouldering comes to mind. (laughs) Not bouldering, but uh, scrambling. What scrambling? Yeah, yeah. Eggs popped in my head, but yeah, uh, scrambling, not eggs, yeah. but, uh, up rocks. Yeah. That would be a class two. Um, yeah, because not to get sidetracked, a one C Canyon is basically you're walking through a river, buckskin yeah. gulch in Southern Utah, a one C right. Flowing river, flat, cool. Where chalk goes. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you know we we found we found the the situation where maybe it's right um yeah i i I really i i loved this question just because uh again it's kind of just like a unique perspective one i know that the guy that had asked this question had given a little bit of background and he he does like emt training so he works with a lot of different groups of people um Mm -hmm. 
so yeah, ho- hopefully that kind of gave you a, a good uh, a good way to approach those situations. Um, our our first topic today is is what well, I, I think pretty interesting. Steve, you and I kind of brainstorm some ideas that may not be what you think of uh, when you're talking about learning about canyoneering, but the brand names, right? Yeah. It's like a, a collective, right? Like what is what, who's who, what the heck did he just say? Um, I love when you're like, um, you say something like, Oh, I'm Lamar. And they're like, Oh, hi, I'm Chelsea. Yeah, like <laughs> like my name's Steven, but like That's I'm, so I'm Lamar. Lamar. <laughs> you <laughs> know, like okay, all right, whatever. So it's it's, it's like canyoneering culture, right? Yeah. Yep. Um so I guess we'll start with just like kind of like where to go to get stuff. What brands? Who What's makes good? canyoneering things? Yeah. Who, who are the people? Um, John, who, okay. are, who are some people? I'm new to canyoneering. Right. You know, maybe I, I dabbled in some climbing in the gym. So I know Black Diamond. Uh, I know Petzl. Okay. Um, but now I'm going to get into canyoneering. So who, who should I look for? Where should you direct me? And it's worth mentioning <clears throat> some of those products or some of those companies rather make canyoneering specific products um, or products that can be used for canyoneering as well. Um, and I think a couple of examples of that is like Petzl makes a canyoneering harness. Um, what makes a canyoneering harness different than a climbing harness? We're not going to go into too much at length, but so Steve, what makes a canyoneering harness different than like a, a climbing harness? Uh, the loops, butt protectors. I mean, there's a, there's a few things, um, load bearing, load bearing loops on, on the harness. Um, there might be a few, a f- those, are the, those are the things that come to my mind. There could be more. Yeah. The so biggest thing would be. Sometimes the loops are like metal instead of fabric. Yep. Your attachment points on the front, vertical versus horizontal. Um, there's a lot. Now, don't get me wrong. You can use climbing harnesses in the canyon. I did for a long time. It, there's just a few more things you, you need to do to orient your gear correctly and things like that. They usually wear out faster because they're not wait, made for all the abrasions and slidings and stuff. But, um, yeah. Yep. And, you know, like some of these companies that make canyoneering specific gear they make a lot of different products so we're not going to talk about like all of them individually like i recommend if you're interested in gear you love gear like go check them out go see what they have almost all these guys have online websites um so we talked about like yeah there are some climbing companies that make canyoneering stuff let's talk about some canyoneering specific companies The, the big one for me that comes to mind is is imlay um mm-hmm. What does Imlay make? Um, what doesn't Imlay make? <laughs> That's the real question. Uh, no, Imlay rope bags. Um, they are the producer for the Critter. Critter, yeah. The Critter 2. Um, Which is a descender, if you're uh, unaware. Yep. It's, it's, it's one of the most popular ones. Um, what else is, what else, what else do they make? Uh, you know, yeah, if you, if you are canyoneering in the Southwest, they make, um, like some really cool, like pothole escape stuff, like, um, Mm -hmm. these little, little tiny sandbags called pot shots and, um, sand traps. Um, you can make marginal anchors with, uh, just this basically piece of fabric. Um, So yeah, and they're also they're based out of Utah. Um, Tom Jones is the is the guy there that everybody may know, may or may not know of. Uh, But that's Imlay. 
we won't get too much into that because we've got we've got names coming up after we've got brands. So name dropping. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, so next we've got Onrope. What does Onrope make? Onrope's based in Arizona, and it's going to be about the same, right? I know they yeah. have really really Very nice similar bags. Types of line of products. Yeah, they have nice bags. Uh, Onrope makes the Descender, the Hoodoo. Yep. And what else? I, mean, I, I like Onrope's bags. Bags. Is, I know is they, usually they have a rope. They, they have rope also. All right. So but when, um, when I think like when I think of Imlay, right, I think of Critter and the Canyon Fire, which is the name of, of one of the, the ropes. Rope. Yeah. When I think of rope. on rope, I think of rope bags. Yep. And then, of course, the hoodoo. I mean, most of these companies have their own device with something else. So. All right. Blue Gnome. It's a fun one. Blue Gnome. Blue Gnome, spelt with a G, or yep. sometimes it's BG. Uh, top of the line thing that I think about is the squirrel. Not your fuzzy, friendly neighborhood squirrel, but the repelling device, the squirrel. Yep. Um, that's what pops to my head. Smooth operator, uh, right? Yeah, smooth op- operator also, same, which same is a yep, advanced tool. Uh, to use for ghosting, yep. which we'll talk about later. They they also uh, sell some some like cool little like pouches and stuff too. Yeah. So, but for me, it, like I'm just going by when I think of these companies, what's what pops in my head for what they're, the descender they're right. known for. Yeah. Um, next up, who's next? Glacier Black. <laughs> Glacier Black. I've, uh, this one's tough. Uh, guys. I don't. I don't think I can answer this one <laughs> because of my association with Glacier Black. Okay, so um, Glacier Black, uh, most well known for the Palicoa Descender. Um, we talked about that in a previous episode. Um, they also make gear, uh, rope bags, uh, ropes. Mm-hmm. Um. And I know they're dabbling in uh, wetsuits and pack rafts. Um, newer company. And uh, yeah, that's about it. I don't want to get <laughs> too much into that, but okay. another good one. All right. Petzl. 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 We, we, um, we kind of talked about them. Uh, mm-hmm. and what's What else to be said? I mean, there's... The thing I think puts Petzl different than a lot of the other ones is because it is so big. It's really looked at. I mean, Petzl, they, they just have, it's not so much that Petzl makes one canyoneering specific thing. They make a variety of things. I mean, if it it goes on a rope, Petzl makes something for it. Basically. I mean, you're talking about window washers and high rises, right? Yeah. Anything with rope. Yeah. Yeah. Arborist. Yeah. I mean, people, people that work on ropes, uh, yeah, they, they make it if, if it touches a rope. So, and I mean, they are, they are kind of like a a standard too. So you're going to, you're going to get quality rock exotica. Um, That's a, that's not one that we hear as often. Who's that? You don't hear as often. And this is the main reason. Actually, there's people that die by, not literally die, but like love the brand, love their carabiners. But people are familiar with the totem, right? The totem is made famous by Rich Carlson. And Rock Exotica are the ones that actually manufacture the totem. So a lot of people just put it together with Rich but it's actually Rock Exotica. So we threw them on there because they have really bomber carabiners. Um, they, they dabble in some other things, but as far as canyoneering goes, the totem is, is a huge tool, almost like, like a multi-tool in the canyoneering world. So they had to be on there. Even yeah, kind though, of a, almost kind of a Swiss Army knife of, of like rigging. Yep. yep. And then lastly on the list, uh, Sterling which I think Sterling has 
my opinion, Sterling's probably one of the biggest ones on this list as far as how how far the reach goes. Yeah, they're um, another they're another one that's also climbing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but I think when I think of Sterling, I typically actually think of of their ropes. Yep, me too. Sterling ropes is the first thing that comes to my mind. And then I think of once again, this is a personal opinion. But then I think of the very big, bulky bomber Sterling Blitz rope bag, which I'm not a huge fan of. People love it. Not something for me, but you know, I think of that blue bag. Um, I think most can people that have been in the canyoneering community know the the Blitz bag. Yep. You know, it's just this bomber neon yellow and blue bag. <laughs> And there was there was a few honorable mentions that we decided not to add to the list because <clears throat> excuse me um they are not as widely known here in the US uh like what, what I think a good example we can drop is is like rod clay or rod, rod clay, however you say it uh they mm-hmm. make they make bags canyoneering bags but they're wet mm-hmm. bags typically right um they're based out of Spain uh yep. and they just don't C-E have why yeah they they're not quite as easily um obtainable here in the US mm-hmm. uh still i mean still make a great product but um you typically have to like import it or go yeah. through some some sort of secondary market yeah and then once again there's a lot of other um companies and it doesn't and this is not all inclusive, words, this list. Right. And I don't want to use the word smaller companies or in those things, but there's companies that may make one canyon specific thing. Um, we what we looked at when we put this list together was really how available are these companies' items in retail settings. In retail, right. Yeah. Yep. And if you do have a canyoneering made, store, like would you would you be able to find some of these products in your nearby canyoneering store? Right. Because I, I've got I have purchased great canyoneering gear, uh, mainly bags and things. And most from, of these guys ship, ship you know, these these companies, they ship nationwide. So, you know, even if you don't have it retail, uh, you know, these are the names that you want to look for when you see people talking about gear. Uh mm-hmm. Yeah, they're 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 kind of like tried and true. Yeah. So that's that's brand names that you'll hear within the community. Let's move on to kind of names you'll hear. So Who's who? I'll go to you, John. I mean, okay. if somebody says, "Hey, uh, Rich Carlson's having a class. Why should I take his class?" All right, so. You gave me one of the uh, one of the easier ones first. <laughs> you know, Rich Carlson is is definitively one of the grandfathers of canyoneering. Um, you know, he was descending canyons before there were betas for them. Um, so he uh, is most well known for his instruction and also founding. Um, a certain organization, right? Yeah, the ACA, American ACA? Canyoneering, uh, American Association. Canyoneering Association. Yep. Um, so yeah, he's he's done a lot of significant things in canyoneering, and um, I think he's we still, brought his name up at still, a past and a past podcast. Teaching. We brought his name up. Yeah, he does. Yep, and he's also the one who created the rating system for the canyons. Created the rating systems, and, and you kind of also mentioned. When we were talking about gear, um, you know, he was the he was the person who um, kind of invented the uh, totem. Totem. Yep. Yeah. And there's one other thing we haven't talked about yet that he he really spearhead in the in the development and think something that we use all the time in canyoneering, which would be the VT. The Prusik, yep. um, you know, and, and, and I, I think that's that. That was also a, a honorable mention 
that really should make our list, and that's that's Blue Water. That is true. Yeah, Blue Water's huge. Blue Water, sorry, makes, Blue Water makes some very specific type of fabrics that are made for BTS that um, absorb friction, the the heat from friction, right? Yeah. Yep. So it's a Technor sheath. And then basically what Rich did was they took out the core of the, I don't know, off the top of my head, I don't remember the the millimeter, seven or eight millimeters is what it is. They took the core out. So you basically just have this sheath. And what that does is creates more friction than using the, the Technora material. Obviously Technora doesn't melt. It starts to char at about a thousand degrees. So now you're, you have a device that, you know, you have a, a, a pressic that's going to, you know, withstand the heat. Yep. So, yeah. So that's Rich Carlson. Awesome thing. Yep. I'm going to give, I'm gonna give about, you the next one. No, no, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. Great. Oh, great, great. Dennis Turville. Dennis. Dennis is... So if you call Rich Carlson grandfather, and and if Rich, you're listening to this, that's not a shot at your age. That's just a, <laughs> it's a, it's a, you know, you know what it is. The title. It's a, it's a term of respect. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's all good. Um, so Dennis, I think would be on the lines, right? With, uh, with Rich. I mean, Dennis has a lot of first descents. Um, I know he, I don't like my mind's really trying to think of like what you would, what you would call him. If, if Rich is the grandfather of canyoneering or the godfather, whatever you want to say, I feel like Dennis would be more of a, um, I mean, he would have to be in there too, you know, named a godfather, just the, the amount of descents he did. Um, definitely a pioneer, right? Yeah, yeah, like he he if uh, you talked about gorging early, the movie, the documentary gorging, right? Yep. You know, he's he's the guy that looked down a canyon and said, "I want to go down there." Right? Pine Creek. And yeah, Pine Creek, that's that's the one. Yeah. And and he just he went. And I think in the movie and I know you've recently seen it. I've seen it a while ago. But he said that you know, he, he enjoyed going in places people have never been, being the first people to step foot, being the first person to step foot in these places, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is, you know, first to sense it a lot. I mean, what comes to head, like what comes to my mind was, um, like you said, Pine Creek, but also big ones like uh, Heaps. Right, so heaps is a huge one that he's done. Um, and, and when you say huge, like it's it's just actually a huge canyon. It's literally huge canyon, <laughs> a massive canyon. Uh, Trolls treat. I'm going to pull some up now because I know there's so many that that he has been the first to do. Um, and it's so funny reading some of these names of these canyons because obviously if you do the first descent, he uh they get to name them. So when I so, see like So Heap Heaps is a four B six. Yeah. Twelve to twenty hours. Um, think about that. Twelve to twenty hours of canyoneering. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I also think there's like, um, what they do? I think the f- their first, their first um, attempt at it, right? Didn't they have to climb out? So it's on uh, on Canyoneering USA's website. There's a little history about it, and it says that the first mm. recorded complete descent is in October 1982. Norman Harding and Royce D. Trapier after substantial preparation by Dennis Turville and Mike Bogart in 1981. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, let me see here. Yeah. I think 
I think they're credited for the fir- first partial descent of heaps. Now that I have the information up, and yeah, I and once again, personal opinion. I mean, that's you did heaps. <laughs> the first one, right? You a partial descent up to a certain point. I still give. I would still give. You know, Mike absolutely. and Dennis credit. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. You know, you're paving so, the way for the next guy. So. Just he's another uh, another godfather in the sense of he's uh, a lot of first descents and you know just somebody who opened up opened the scales of of what can be accomplished in canyoneering. Right, who's next? Um, next, I'm gonna put uh, I'm gonna put you with uh, Mike Kelsey. Hmm. Okay, that's a good one. So. Mike Kelsey is in the same kind of era um, as, you know, the same people we've been talking about, like a lot of the kind of original people in canyoneering. Now, what Mike Kelsey did for canyoneering is um, he spent a lot of time documenting and, mm-hmm. um, and just like making maps and guidebooks for canyoneering. So he's... Yeah he's responsible for like a lot of the really early guidebooks and betas for, mm-hmm. I mean, a, a significant amount of canyons. Yeah. Which then it comes where the, you do have some people that are not fans of Mike Kelsey because of the guidebooks, because what the guidebooks did is now it gave maps and information for people to go to these locations. Yeah, you know, so a lot of people were upset about that, and then like Mike's side of things, right? And then Mike's side of things is, listen, guys, people are coming to these canyons. I want to make sure that the people that are going aren't going to end up dead. So I'm going to give them the best information I have, so they don't end up dead, you know, and they can come out safely. So, yep. you know, there's two sides to every story, and you know, it's. You know, we're here today because of all these people. If, you know, Michael Kelsey didn't make his books, if he did, you know, like it, 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 it would be a lot different. Canyon, the, the canyoning community would be a lot different. Definitely today. kind of shaped, shaped the way for canyoning. So yeah. we've got two left. And um, I'm going to give you one that is. Actually, more of a recent name. This is someone who has uh, made more of a kind of more of a significant impact on canyoneering within like the past five or ten years, as opposed to like the past forty years. So this is mm-hmm. Jake Huddleston. Tell, tell me, tell me why mm-hmm. he matters. So Jake, basically, I would say he he's such a pioneer in the new age of things. Right. Um, he lives up in the Pacific Northwest. He, I know they open routes, his, him and his crew, uh, which they have a great crew up there. Um, but they, they open a lot of routes and uh, side note, I really think the Pacific Northwest is going to be the new transfer of canyoneering Mecca in the United mm-hmm. States. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like that's coming you know, the next five to 10 Lots of exploration happening up there. Yeah. And Jake is, is at the forefront of that as well as, you know, he's a filmmaker and photographer. So he was most recently able to go overseas and, and do some first descents in, in the, um, in Nepal, in the Himalayas. Um, he's just somebody who everyone should be following and watching because this guy is just so knowledgeable. And I mean, opening canyons is, is a lot of what we're talking about. These original pioneers, you know, with Dennis and, and Rich, that's what they did. And, and, and we should, I think it's important to kind of mention, like there are significant figures in canyoneering internationally. And our focus is, um, our, our focus is kind of immediately what's happening here in the U S. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you happen to be listening in another country and you know you do have significant people 
I'd actually um, be really interested to to hear about them. Um, so you know, please you know write us in or, or tell us about them. Um, we yep. definitely will talk about that too. And don't think that these are the all the only people that are impacting the canyoneering community right now, right? Because there's a lot. There's a lot of people doing a lot of great things for the canyoneering community. Um, But what we're trying to do is just narrow down to like, you know, really who canyoneering one on one. Yeah. Like who's who, whose name is, is broadcasted regularly. Right. Like at at a minimum, you should know these people's names. Yeah. All right. So Jake, Jake, I, I truly feel everyone should be watching uh, him. He's just a great guy. Um, and last one, uh, Tom Jones. Tom Jones. Uh, Tom Jones. Tom Jones. Uh, I, I ran a canyon with him earlier this year, actually. Um, nice. So Tom Jones is the founder of uh, Imlay. Right. Yep. Yep. So he, uh, he owns that company and, um, he's also done a significant amount of, um, first ascents, right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Especially in Southern Utah. Um, his, 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 I would say his area, I mean, he knows a lot, right. So don't, don't think that it's just strictly to this area, but what he's done for Zion and that area has just been extremely amazing. Um, a, as well as really, book. exactly as where I was going there next, right? Really popular book, uh, canyoneering. Yep. Yep. So you'll, you'll hear him once again, it goes back to the Imlay where, you know, Imlay is one of the most popular all around canyoneering companies, canyoneering specific companies. Yep. With the critter, yep. uh, his bags have been, the go-to bags for, for years. Um, a lot of competition coming out there, Tom though. Uh, but you know, he, he, his, his, uh, his stuff has been around and it's, and you know, it's tested and, and you know, people, people love it. So. All right. So we did brands, we did names. We're going to do some Canyon terms, right? Mm-hmm. Some so, stuff that, that we hear in the canyon. All right. I said it at the beginning. I'm Lamar. What am I? Reading Rainbow. Uh, you are the last man at risk. L-A. So what is the A? Last A-M? What is the L-A? What's the A? Yeah, this is the first A. Last man at risk. So L A like is last, last. Like L A. Like is man. We don't. Yeah, the A is L. actually. No, they get an A too. Okay. Last all man right. at risk is Lamar. Okay. All right. That's Lamar. So last man at risk means what? Last man at last risk means the last individual that is going down the rappel and the last person mm-hmm. to to take the risk of the rigging that is anchored. Because mm-hmm. most of the time, if you're going to do rope pull on, uh, you know, single wrap, then you're going to unclip a few things, maybe one thing, uh, before that last person goes down. So there's a slightly more risk for that last man. So if you're ever in a canyon and somebody says, "Hey, do you want to be Lamar?" You know, make sure you know what you're doing before you say yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's and you know, I I definitely. This is this is one of those things that is going to depend on the group that you're running with. But I'm a big fan of the anchor manager being the Lamar, um, and I think that that's a good segue. What what's what is a what is an anchor manager, Steve? So basically, the person who is building your anchors. Yeah. So the when you're setting up setting up rope and. Usually for me, it's also the person who's doing your, you know, safety check and making sure everybody's getting on the rope 
on the correct side of the rope and you know all those things the guy who just stands builds the anchor sits by the anchor while everybody hooks up and sends it and it, i mean it's totally something that you just kind of see as a job or a role if you have a team this is the guy on the team and this can you know this individual can can change depending maybe you want to do this on every rappel maybe you want to change this person up depending on the rappel but you know like this individual is going to be managing the rigging they're going to be making sure that the person that is going on rappel next is doing so safely they're going to make sure that you know that person is using the right communication um making sure that they're letting they know that there's someone on belay you know checking things like the lockers um it's it's a kind of and, and those kind of checks can be done partnered and things like that but real realistically like the anchor manager is the guy or guy or girl or person who is really really paying attention to what's happening on that rappel and making sure that Things are going by the book. Right. All right. VT, Steve. What's a VT? Um, it's a trim on a car. I'm kidding. It is <laughs> the Veldetran, Veldetan Tress, which is what we talked about. Um, it's a type of pressic that uh, Rich Carlson made famous here in the States. And it's what we tend to use if you're the first man down on repelling yep um we're not going to go into too much about like using a vt tying a vt or anything like that um we're just talking about what it is so um uh, cool dead man's dead man's uh is not the climbers a... you see in the canyon nope <laughs> nope, nope. <gasps> So a dead man's is a type of anchor that is buried under the ground. And um, it is what would be considered uh, a marginal anchor, right, Steve? Mm-hmm. And uh, it essentially is a object that's buried very, very deep. And um, sometimes you build it like a trench and then you put it in the ground. Sometimes you just put yep. it as deep as you can. And that is that becomes your anchor. That um, yep. is how you have to repel down some types of repels. So uh, that's advanced technique. Advanced, yeah, advanced anchoring technique. So, mm-hmm. all right, SAR, Steve. What's SAR? SAR, simple. <coughs> Search and rescue. That's all you need to yep. know. Search and yep. rescue. Someone says SAR. Yeah, they're, they're, um, they are the people that that do that. And. After four oh. episodes, I've been waiting, yes. and you've been waiting. Boom, yes. boom, boom, boom. What is the climber's exit? What is it? What does it mean? It's a podcast by John Sanchez and that guy, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> no, truly. Uh, <laughs> so what the climber's, uh, climber's exit, and, and um, there's a couple different a, a couple different ways to view this, but most commonly what the climber's exit is, is it's going to be an exit at the end of the canyon that will require more advanced climbing skills. You know, a lot of times, you know, when you're exiting a canyon, you can walk out of it or you can kind of take some scrambles out. A climber's exit is usually going to be like an early exit that you have to climb out of. Right, Steve? Yep. Yep. I agree. Yeah. Um, Sometimes people make a joke about it. Because it's like, you know, you don't finish the canyon. You take the shortcut out. You take the quick way out. So mm-hmm. you take the climber's exit. But, you know. but we're not judging. <laughs> we don't do that here. No. We, ju- we just give you the information. Um, oh, the next one's a good one. Abcell. Abselling is, is, is what, is what um, people that are canyoning do. Um, abseiling is it is essentially the same thing so abseiling is to repelling as canyoning is to canyoneering abseiling is uh, a more common international term um, Mm -hmm. but functionally it's it's repelling yep so same exact thing Um, DRT DRT 
What's DRT? Dual rope technique. Dual rope technique. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one to know. Yeah. As opposed to an SRT? Right. So dual or double, double rope technique. Um, Same exact thing with uh, uh, SRT. Yeah. Yep. But if people are just, if they say those acronyms or SRT single rope technique, you know, we just want you to know what they are. Yeah. Um, Ghost, ghost canyoneering. So that's when you arrive uh, in the canyon and then everybody brings uh, white sheets with like eyes cut out. And then um, Charlie Brown special, Charlie Brown special. Yeah, that's that's ghosting. Usually done on Halloween. Kidding. 100% joke. Do not. Can we make that a thing? Let's make that a thing this year, please. Okay. Ghost canyoneering 2022. Whoever has the dirtiest sheet at the end of the day wins. Um, yeah. So go. <laughs> it's like literally in my head right now, people just getting out of their cars with a sheet up, you know, like literally. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, um, no, it's, it's basically completing a, a uh, completing a canyon with leaving nothing, no evidence. Basically, no webbing, besides no your footprint. Yeah. Just your your footprint should be the only thing there. You so know. you you will use a device that we we mentioned um, briefly earlier, either a fiddle stick or a smooth operator, mm-hmm. um, to pull the rope or something or something similar to those Whew. area. We made um, it. Yeah, I mean and that's <laughs> all. And once again, that is not everything in canyoneering. There is so many more people. There is more companies. There is more terminologies. We just, you know, we explained why we chose what we did. But please do the research. There's plenty of websites and things that you can just find out more. But we just wanted to get that seed planted for you guys to take the initiative to go out there, laying in bed at night, Google search some stuff, look up some canyoning websites. Shopping for gear. You know, Google... um, you know, canyoneering 101 on what terminologies are and come back and message us. Tell me what a May West is. I want somebody to message me on social media and say, Steve, this is what a May West is. What and win, Steve? that's a, what should they win? John? We should, we should, we should see. Uh, How about this? What should we you message, them? you message Steve what it is. And you will get, you will receive something cool. Something cool. You're going to have to trust something me cool. on what, what something cool is. Um, and I want, and I want you to, here's the second, you, this is a two-parter. If you want something cool, you've got to have the two-parter. Steve wants to know what, what a May West is. Mm-hmm. And I want to know what a Gearito is. You tell me what a Gearito <laughs> is. Gear. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. You okay. get both of those. I, I think that we'll make it happen. We'll and we'll announce yeah. it. I think that's a good idea, John. So interactive canyon. Obviously, obviously, we are we're not going to get into our sep- second topic. So I think let's just do a but, preview. Like let's just talk a little bit about like what we what people can expect in next episode. Like what are we going to talk about next, Steve? But can we do a spare the moment, throw a wrench in things right now? Please. You know, I love that. Today's, today's Monday, right? Yep. Yep. Are you available Wednesday? No, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm out of town. Tuesday? <laughs> Friday. Can, can we give the viewers a second episode this week with what we wanted to talk about our second topic with? I think Obviously, we can. We can make it happen. I don't I think that's what I, we do. I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, Wednesdays, I'm out. All right. Well, you know what? Like, we'll, no matter what, we're going to make it happen. Okay. We're going to throw a it. bonus. We'll do a 4.5 bonus Two episode. episodes this week to make up for last week and to get the second half of this episode out. We're doing it. Yeah. Sometime doing this it. week. Okay. 
So homework. What is a Mae West? What is a Garrido? You can, how, how, how are people going to let us know, Steve? How are they going to, you want Instagram, Facebook? I think they need to join the Climbers Exit Facebook group. Okay. Join, make sure you're part of the Climbers Exit Facebook group. And then post in the Facebook group what those things are. Ooh, I like that. Okay. Even if you see someone posting the answer, still post the answer. Yeah, because maybe I'm gonna we do pick, something. Maybe pick talk too, you know, something like that. I'm, I'm, oh, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pick the first person and then I'm going to randomly put everybody's name in a randomator. Or oh, whatever, I like that. I like that. Pick everybody else. And I think three people should win. Okay. So two people will be randomly picked. One person, whoever's the first one, will get it. Okay. Sound and, fair? Yeah. And if we'll say if we've got enough people that, you know, listen and throw down before we get 4.5 out, we can announce it on 4.5. Otherwise, we'll give it a week and you'll hear about it on episode five. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a good plan, John. That love is it. a good plan. I All love right, it. For tonight, I'm, we're out of here. You know, and I'll tell you, like, um, 4.5 is going to, like, knowing those names, I'll give you a little bit of a spoiler. Knowing those names is going to, like, give you a little bit more insight onto for what we talk about in 4.5. So, like, it's totally relevant. And, you know, if you do the research, cool. You know, you're going to really enjoy hearing more about that. But it's it's just a really, 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 really super good topic for absolutely anybody that is canyoneering. Just basically. name it. Just tell them the topic. Just tell them, okay. John. Just tell them so, the topic. So the topic is going to be like, how do you become a more advanced canyoneer? How do you learn new skills or practice existing skills outside of a classroom environment? Okay, that's a little classes, spicy. A little spicy. Classes are thrown out the door. We're throwing we love, classes out the classes door. are great we're not talking about that we're not talking about the value of classes mm-hmm. we're not debating that we're going to talk about some ways that you can get skills that you can get better in the canyon that you can feel more confident that work in your situation so right it's gonna be really cool because sometimes classes are expensive sometimes yep. people get less hours at work and they have unexpected bills and they can't really pay the you know, 200, uh, however high they go. And so if you can't pay those classes, what can you do? Where can you go? Options. We got some options. Where can we search? Cool. I think we got it. So. We got them ready. They're going to be all waiting for episode 4.5. We'll get it for you guys this week. But that's all, John. I have nothing else. That's it for tonight. Done. Cashing out. Going to bed. I'll see everybody sometime later this week, and I'll be looking daily to see who answers the questions uh, correctly. Listen, and, so, and don't forget to pack out what you pack in because we're swapping outros too. Good night. Bow, bow, bow. Bye, guys.